0: been working on an in-depth, bespoke design podcast series for a while now, but then the world turned upside down with a pandemic, which shall not be named.
1: Hint, it runs with coronavirus
0: We thought to ourselves, selves, couldn't we all use a little design distraction right now sooner rather than later?
1: So we decided to condense and fast track our podcast for you into preseason season mini we're leaning into quarantine lifestyle and binge-watching and binge-reading some of our favorite design shows, documentaries, books, and articles, and then we're gossiping about them right here.
0: Don't worry, our bigger podcast is still in the works, but in the meantime, consider this a taste of things to come.
1: Think of it as a podcast amuse-bouche. I'm Maeve Parker, and I'm joined by Charlene Williams.
0: We are designers, workwives, business besties, and this is Design, design Gossip! Gossip
1: a podcast for the creatively curious. Today, we're having our first
0: article club. It's kind of like book club, but you know, with articles.
1: We'll be gossiping about two articles, one about plant fluencers and one about 1980s inspired design.
0: Sit back, pour yourself some rosé and pretend we're all together chatting away about trends.
1: So Charlene, I'm sorry, I did not have any outfits prepared for you today, but I did bring some box of wine. Nice. It is pretty early in the day here, but it's an article club, so I think we have an exception.
0: For you, I gathered all my plant babies onto my mantle so they can join in the conversation. So listeners,
1: as we said up top, we are chatting about two articles today. We're going to start with one from the New York Times. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's from the end of 2018 by Penelope Green. It's called Meet the Plantfluencers. So, Charlene, are you a plant mom or a plant lady? How do you identify when it comes to plants?
0: I could say I'm a plant lady, although not really a successful one. (laughs) My plant babies struggle. They're not thriving. (laughs) How about you?
1: I realized I am not a millennial plant mom. I do have a lot of plants, but they're very seasonal. I'm really lacking in the indoor plant department. And that's something I'm inspired to change about myself after reading about all these plant influencers this week.
0: I was so impressed by these articles. I guess I hadn't thought about trends in certain types of plants before, but I have totally fallen for it. I absolutely am being influenced (laughs) and have realized I've been falling into these trends without even knowing it.
1: Mm-hmm. And one thing that's interesting about plant trends is I think they last a long time. I don't feel like they go away, really. No one's like, oh, that bird's nest fern is so 2019. Like, no one says that. You know, you're meant to keep it alive for a long time. So I kind of like the longevity. All right. So shall I summarize the article really quick? Hmm. Please do. So this article starts by describing a trendy plant store in New York called The Sill, and It's described later on in the article as the glossier of plants. It's aimed at a millennial aesthetic. Later in the article, they describe millennials as the indoor generation, which I thought was really interesting because millennials are renting longer and we're living in more urban areas without yards. So the indoor space becomes that much more important and our yearning to bring life into our spaces manifests through plants. (laughs) plants. <laughs> and I think that's even more important now during quarantine when it's like our spaces we live in are our whole worlds now. Then the article goes on to describe plant plantfluencers. Some examples are, again, The Sill. There's another store called Rooted. There's an account called The Plant Boys, which is like pinup. Men posing with plants. That was another thing that really surprised me. I had no idea of this whole world of sexy plant selfies. And the way that they're marketing is different too. For example, if you go to the website for the brand Rooted, there's gifts of Kurt Cobain on the website while they're selling plants. And there's even a quote in the article about how you don't have to water this plant for two weeks. You can still go on a surf trip to Bali or wherever. So it's really interesting just the messaging around plants and how that is changing too. They also, they talk about Justina Blakeney in this article, and she is so influential in our worlds. She is more than a plant influencer. She's a designer. She runs this whole brand called The O and plants are a huge part of it. It's all very lush and a lot of green, a lot of patterns, a lot of rich color. And they quote her in the article where she says, plants are an affordable way to fill the void, which I really like that. Plants can be accessible. You can get a $5 snake plant from Ikea and get the same feeling of lushness in your space that if you got one of these trendier Instagram plants. One quote I love from the article is from one of the owners of The Sill. She says, it's okay if the only thing you did today was survive. And I feel like that's a good motto for quarantine.
0: I literally pulled that same exact quote, by the way, that stood out to me. And then specifically, it said, this is an entire generation that feels inadequate. Nobody wants another thing they're not going to be good at, is what it said that I was like, "Ooh, that's a lot to dig into right there.
1: I think that gets into another reason why we are really drawn to plants right now. It's something we can control.
0: I kind of thought maybe nurturing. As far as they're saying people live in apartments, but people are also, especially now, not able to date and whatever during this COVID-19. But then people are getting married later, having kids later. At least for me, it manifested first as pets, but that feeling like you just want to care of something. Yeah. Yeah. And then plants came along.
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot of hope with plants too. I remember this isn't an indoor plant, but this spring I'm just walking outside and seeing the cherry blossoms and it's like, oh, the cherry blossoms, they're still doing their thing. They don't even know or care about this huge pandemic. And this is not even a blip on them. And I feel like that just kind of gives you some perspective
0: and is calming. I was also curious after my own experience of going into some of these plant boutiques, I want to... So they're saying this is like uh, referencing the 70s, I think was the last time that there was this huge plant obsession like there is now. I want to see the, the inflation chart of plants from the 70s because I feel like some of these boutiques that I go into, there's a particular one that's all about cacti here, and it's so expensive. So expensive. Like a small cactus in a just a terracotta pot was like eighty dollars. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, what? I think people are really capitalizing on this trend right now.
1: Yeah. But again, you don't have to have the eighty dollar cactus. You could, for example, get a two ninety nine succulent at Trader Joe's and get the same effect. Another thing, also, I hadn't realized how much other plant merch there is out there, like stickers, patches, t-shirts, tote bags, enamel pins. One of my favorites is this enamel pin from this brand on Etsy called Wit & Whistle. It's just a Monstera leaf, and it says, if I die, water my plants.
0: (laughs) That's cute. The one thing that I see as super different than any previous plant era is... Although people are having, you know, so many plants, the pots are pretty minimal. Almost everything on these sites is white, where I feel like in the 70s, it was known for all these different wild glazes of pottery and bright colors and that kind of thing. And uh, me too, I pretty much all of my planters are white or raw cement. It'll be interesting to see as this trend grows, if people branch out, if that's just the look of the moment or if eventually color and pattern will come back. Yeah,
1: well, this jumps ahead to your article a little bit, but a lot of the pots, I feel like, look very 1980s. They're very geometric and simple in pastel-muted colors.
0: I absolutely love the vases from Group Partner Ceramics. They're little, like, bare-chested with tan lines in the vases. Oh, yeah,
1: I love those planters. The ones, they're like a ceramic torso or midsection wearing a teeny swimsuit they're so funny
0: they're always sold out but i adore those i they just bring me so much joy i have really liked the introduction of plants and more specifically plant walls into restaurants that gives such a different feeling to me i really think there's some sort of fresh vibe that comes from a a full plant wall or at least you know on their patios or whatever i really appreciate that I can see how the plant world has influenced even our world, like print and pattern, that palm print that has come out in the last like five years being used everywhere. And I think some people get that feeling of being surrounded by plants through print and pattern instead. And I'm here for it.
1: It has been really fascinating to watch that evolution. Like 10 years ago, I feel like we were all about woodland. It was all about the forest. And then it went to the desert and succulents, which are still around. And then it went from there to full-on jungle and rainforest, which is where we are right now. So there's always some kind of flora that we're evolving to.
0: This may be controversial, but do you have a favorite plant? I have one kind of, it's called a pencil
1: plant. So to describe that for our listeners, it kind of hangs and it has these thin segments. It looks kind of like a succulent, like a trailing hanging succulent. That's pretty cute.
0: I'll have to find out the actual name for it. But there is this plant that I just call alien fingers. (laughs) I will try to find a picture of it. I think it's called ogre's ears or something, even though I call it alien fingers because they look like little suction cups on the end. I think that one's my favorite. So, okay two things i want to talk about culturally with these plant things one the boys with plants although i find it incredibly endearing it makes me think of this other podcast that i listen to you're making it worse with a few comedians that talk about gay culture and like when people are just putting like for instance it'll be a post about a charity but it's them sort of posing with their butt hanging out, you know, so it's like a total thirst trap, which that is totally what that account is, but I think it's adorable. (laughs) I will totally roll with it, and they're using the plant placement, a lot of guys are nude, and it's kind of this phallic symbol kind of thing, but whatever, I can get behind it. It gets back to Adam and Eve and the leaf. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of leaf coverage, like a single leaf. The other thing I was thinking is, is this kind of a a new version of like a yuppie trend? Boys with plants was the only one that I think had more diverse representation on their page. And the fact that it's men alone. I mean, I think most people think of plant fluencers as women.
1: It could be, but I also think that Everyone loves plants. I think in the more boho indoor jungle that is trending with plant fluencers right now, that feels a little bit more like you would roll your eyes a little bit like all you millennial with your plant jungle. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like people of all demographics like houseplants. (laughs) Okay. Even, Even if they don't know if they're doing it for a trend, you know, I think they're pretty equalizing.
0: There is a product out there that it's the Lettuce Grow. Have you seen this where it's a tall? It's this white kind of bulbous at the bottom modern sculpture that you put these little pods and you can grow all these different types of lettuce or other plants out of. And it's like $500. But I was like, at least in the off season here, or if you kill everything, it still looks like a beautiful sculpture. But that's LettuceGrow.com.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that was one thing I was noticing when I was looking at some of these brands is I really liked how they have some of the things that would be more utilitarian, like a grow light. For example, my grow lights, it's a $5 clamp light from like Lowe's or Home Depot with a bulb in it. It is not something I want in my living room, not something I want in my decor. But if you are living in a confined space and you want plants, that might be your only option. So I like that there's consideration brought into these things to grow your plants. Now, those things might have higher price points and be less accessible, but I have hopes that influence will trickle down. There's another article from Wired that I was uh, really enjoying this week. It's called The Princess, the Plant Fluencers, and the Pink Congo Scam. And that's all about plant scams, which I thought was fascinating. So, with these plant-fluenced, rare plant crazes that are going on, some of these plants that in the past might have been 6 to $10 are now going for hundreds of dollars because there's such a demand for them. Especially pink plants. There's one, the pink princess philodendron. It's a philodendron with streaks of pink in the leaves. The contrast of the pink and the green is super cool and feels very Instagram and very millennial. But then there's another anecdotal story about These plants that are artificially made into colors, you can put them in the greenhouse and pump this gas into the greenhouse that turns the plant entirely pink. And I think they did this with this plant called the Pink Congo. And people were buying this plant thinking it just grows pink. But in reality, the pink will fade eventually once it's out of the greenhouse. And that gave me a little bit of a conundrum this week. If someone wants the pink plant and if there's transparency and they know it's going to fade... And they still want to pay a hundred dollars. I think that's
0: probably okay. I'm with you. Where it's like, I think it. Some people would say it's worth it. Okay, transparency. Yes, they should be upfront about what is naturally occurring and not. But like, I think I know people that would have the perfectly styled shoot or to have the perfect picture of somewhere would drop a hundred bucks on a plant that they knew was going to fade. <laughs>
1: I didn't even have any concept of that of crazes over rare plants and the links that people would go to and the prices they would pay for an Instagram plant.
0: I I will stick to taking care of my $8 plant. And once I can get those to live for a few years, (laughs) I might upgrade.
1: So let's switch gears and talk about your article, Charlene. It's from a site called Gear Patrol. And the author is Rachel DelVal. And it's titled Just Getting Into Mid-Century Modern. Don't the 2020s are all about the 80s.
0: Okay, so as you talked about pink plants and millennials, this kind of ties into this article that is what they're referring to as the long 80s. So talking about how the late 70s kind of bleed into the 80s and this whole era. But the headline grabbed me because it says, just getting into mid century modern, don't. The 2020s are all about the 80s. And this stood out to me because some listicle thing that I saw identified that they, I think it was Real Simple, that did a list of by state what is the most popular decor style. And Minnesota was listed as mid century modern, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised. There are multiple vintage stores that are focused on mid-century modern. There's a large Scandinavian-Norwegian culture here, so I think that goes along with it. But I kind of would think it would be a little bit more eclectic than that. So a couple things that I took away. It, they, The article touches on a couple of the things that stood out from the 80s that have carried on. So we're talking color palette. They say, uh, although the 80s are described as conspicuous consumption, which this is the first kind of disposable furniture culture that there was, which has led things to be really rare now when you can come across something that's in good condition, it sounds like from the 80s. But to take a step back, I have some memories of the 80s, including the first time I got my bedroom redone, where I got to like pick my comforter and it was straight up like magenta turquoise purple triangles wavy shapes like graphics with a gradient on it. <laughs> but like it felt so cool so I-, I have some fond memories of the 80s versus being cringeworthy
1: yeah me too nothing makes me happier than like a caboodle
0: I love it. So as you were talking about millennial pink and these flowers, I was thinking about they talked about mauve being the millennial pink for the people in the 80s. And wow, if there isn't a color that is more symbolic of the 80s than mauve specifically. And I feel like definitely it's coming around and being paired with new colors, but Yeah, it would repulse me a few years ago, but I'm coming back around to it now.
1: Yeah, this is a sidebar, but I have always been so defensive of mauve. People always call me mauve. They think that's my name because people confuse me as a mauve all the time. And then if they then say that they don't like mauve, then I guess the jersey comes out and I put on my boxing gloves. I'm like, what's wrong with mauve?
0: Yeah, yeah. I also love that they, in the article, they talk about the 80s being the prioritization of fun. And I have great memories. Pee Wee's Playhouse was so influential to me. It took me seeing a documentary a couple years ago that was talking about the artists that work on Pee Wee's Playhouse that, like, that's where all my print and pattern influence came from. And the other, which I would still say is one of my all time favorite artists, was Keith Herring. And part of what I loved, like they're saying the prioritization of fun, is he had such a way to address really heavy topics, but in a visual language that looked fun and would draw you in, even though whether he's talking about AIDS or whatever, that he just put those two things together and created something totally new. So I think that's my other fond, selective memory
1: (laughs) of the 80s. One of my theories came to mind when I was reading this article that I think whenever an era gets revisited and kind of put through the cycle again, it gets a little bit more timeless each time. So if you think about it, the 1980s, it wasn't the first time we saw a lot of these looks. To me, it reminds me a lot of the Bauhaus movement of the early 20th century that then got revisited decades later. And now we're looking at it again. And every time
0: it gets a little bit softer and understated... I think maybe what you're touching on is in the article they mentioned Home Union, and they sell vintage 80s furniture, but it's often just like one piece amongst a minimalist room, which I think puts the 80s in a totally different context. Like, it'll be almost all white room, everything else is white and gray, and then all of a sudden this vibrant color, rounded corner coffee table or something like that. I think that's totally different than how it would have been displayed back in the day.
1: Yeah, and that touches on another theory of mine that I I think I could put this on my tombstone that I don't think you should ever go full force into one era in a room or in your space. Like it just looks like it's wearing a costume. Like you don't want to recreate the 1980s. You want to have influence of it, but you want to mix eras. That's how you get a timeless space. Otherwise, it feels less authentic if you're just trying to recreate a decade.
0: I love your your phrase of it's wearing a costume. That's so true. I, I also like that they were talking about the 80s are sort of the absolute opposite of mid-century as far as not being timeless. And as I'm looking into, I'm looking at homes right now, there's one thing that I just can't and it's cringeworthy and that is glass block. Do you have strong feelings about glass block? Are you okay with it? I do have very
1: similar feelings about glass block, Charlene, especially because you notice them when they are in places that are so out of place. Like we live near Philadelphia. One of my favorite things is to walk around some of the historic neighborhoods in Philly and you'll see a beautiful old brownstone from the 19th century, and they've replaced some of the windows with Miami glass blocks. Like, like what what is that doing there? But this article turned me around a little bit. It showed some other uses of glass blocks where it's a little bit more considered. They showed, it was like a Glossier pop-up store, and I was drooling a little bit over those glass blocks. And they also showed some older versions of glass blocks where they're like in a floor letting light through like a space that would not usually be permeable with light. And that's where I'm like, okay, that's amazing. I'm here for glass blocks in these other ways that we're not traditionally thinking of applying them.
0: I was thinking the only thing That could maybe turn me on to glass block is I saw a new new to me tile trend where people would do, let's say, white tile in their bathroom, but do magenta grout, which feels kind of Memphis and 80s to me that what if you had glass block with colored grout?
1: I think they did that on Queer Eye on one episode.
0: Oh, was it black? They painted it black. Yes. Okay. Yes. I remember that.
1: Yeah. It made it more graphic.
0: See, I might be able to get behind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it's not the glass block specifically that we have issue with. I think it's the application, which there there's some potential there. I was a little bit expecting from the title of this article, which is just getting into mid-century modern. Don't the 2020s are all about the 80s? I was expecting a little bit more of a throwdown between mid-century and 80s aesthetics. When it, it didn't gossip that much about mid-century, but I I have some thoughts about mid-century. What do you think about mid-century design? or mid-century furniture, the the whole look. It was so big, like, when Mad Men was on TV. We all went wild for mid-century.
0: I've admired it. I think that's one of the last times that there was quality furniture made. Like, when I think of wood things from that era, last time it was quality made and wasn't, like, particle board with a veneer on it. So, I like the quality i like that it blends in with other forms of decor like you were saying like if you go with a more eclectic look and mix some different eras for me it's always personally felt a little cold it's just like a little cold for me and maybe it's dependent on the type of wood that it is but it's just never felt quite right for me how about you
1: I'm with you, Charlene. I feel the same way. I appreciate Mid-Century. I like the simplicity, but it feels very stiff. It doesn't feel inviting and definitely a coldness to me. But however, I realized like maybe I'm thinking of this too much through the Mad Men lens, which is very masculine. And... In more recent times, a show with great visuals from this era that has turned me around a little bit has been The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's like Mad Men mid-century meets like anthropology. (laughs) I describe it. It's so beautiful. There's more layers. I do want to go right into those spaces and just wrap myself up in them. But in my own space, I really like mid-century hard goods because again, I like to layer between lots of different eras and our house is older. So I love contrasting that with like a Sputnik lamp.
0: So... As we're talking about all these different eras, to me, until I read this article and really thought about it, I kind of see a connection between the 1920s and Art Deco and the 80s. And specifically, I think I was following the Italian design show Salone in Milan, and the furniture from last year walks such a fine line for me between the 20s and the 80s. And I can't really decide which way it it goes. There's a lot of velvet. There's a lot of mauve colors in there. There's like a lot of brass accents. A couple more things that they touch on in this article that I found interesting. They show an example of the Togo sofa. And talk about timeless. I've seen that. I just literally saw it in a, a TV show last night. That we were watching. This was in somebody's house and it was ahead of its time, let's say, if it was designed in 1973. So I think that's pretty epic, the lifespan of that one. I always feel like it looks a little like a grown-up version of the video chairs. If you ever had those in the 80s, to call back to another memory, it reminds me of a sophisticated version of that. They also mentioned the Memphis trend, which was just a a short-lived Italian design movement. But some of the influences that they pointed out that I thought were really influential was, they talked about in the 80s, this is the first time there was digital technology in the home. And I think of some of these movies, and if you think of a lot of squared things in geometrics, that's what the really minimal interface looked like. Buttons on things. Yeah, that you can see how that spilled over into the actual aesthetics of the home, too. And then they mentioned the start of the yuppies in the 80s was kind of the start of it. They reference the apartment from American Psycho, which I think totally embodies the 80s but a descriptor that they used was a self-conscious minimalism for the 80s which yeah i think people were striving to have clean minimal but everything just wasn't quite refined enough yet that it was like self-conscious you could see it trying to be cool and i think that sums up the 80s in general but
1: also still minimal but very much about consumption
0: yes yeah
1: so I don't know if we've touched on this very much, but how are the aesthetics of the 2020s 80s different from the 80s 80s? I think there's a lot more softness to it. Like The colors are dialed back a little bit. The materials, I think, where I could be remembering incorrectly,
0: but I feel like the 80s were a little bit more about synthetics. It's funny. As you mentioned that, when I think of the 80s, I think of a particular smell. And I feel like it's because so many things were made out of plastic in a certain type of plastic or like those polyester fill bedspreads, which was kind of, I could be wrong, but it seems like it exploded versus having like wool blankets or quilts or something knit. You have that weird, super lightweight (laughs) (laughs) poly-fluff comforter. It gives me the willies just thinking about... (laughs) Like bad hotel bedding. Okay, we won't make you go back there, Charlene. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the trauma. But yeah, I totally associate a smell and I think it's from all the artificialness of it all. They reference caning and cane chairs and I remember as a kid wearing shorts and sitting on cane chairs and what it does to the back of your thighs. It's like torture. So that's another, yeah, (laughs) the trauma.
1: I love caning though. Was that the chestnut chair those when i pulled out the image of those they look so timeless i'm pretty sure my grandparents had something similar in their kitchen but also i i love the look of them now too they're they're beautiful and caning is a much older antiques have caning like antiques that are hundreds of years old have caning i like that it's something that has come through the ages
0: yeah yeah i agree as you talked about what is new in the 2020 80s versus the actual 80s, I wonder how much of it Is just, it's new to some people. And I think of clothing brands for sure. Like, I feel like Normcore started it all with the light wash mom jeans and stuff. But then even looking at companies like Cotopaxi that does all these bright contrasting colors of like that windbreaker material in jackets and in their gear that I think... It's just it's new to some people and exciting to them and seeing it on these younger new people that didn't live through it the first time gives it a freshness. Yeah,
1: and I almost wonder if we're moving beyond the 80s now too and the 90s are fast on the heels. So much Hunter Green is in right now and like Blonde Woods. I'm definitely seeing that those 90s aesthetics that we kind of just got over <laughs> are now circling back
0: around. I just took my eight-year-old niece shopping for her first choker necklace this year. So talk about, that's the first time I've been in a Claire's in a long time. And also, again, spending a lot of time binge watching TV lately. But the shows, like I'm watching a couple Netflix shows called uh, White Lines, which is set in the DJs. A DJ era of the early 90s and the show Sex Education, which is a beautiful way of making it timeless. Even the cars are like from the 90s and the bikes are from the 90s or the 80s. And it's like finding little Easter eggs from different eras in that show that I'm loving, too.
1: Those sound great. I am definitely going to add them to my queue. I love it. Thanks, Charlene. So... For our next episode, we'll be watching a documentary called Sign Painters, which you may find captivating if you love lettering and typography as much as we do. You can write it on Amazon Prime or on YouTube if you want to watch it along with us. But it is a documentary, so it doesn't have traditional plot spoilers per se. You can probably get away with listening to our conversation first if you're up for that so Charlene what do you think are you ready to go watch sign painters and open up the next bottle of rosé
0: definitely and I may have to water some plants on the way
1: okay me too
0: bye bye all right listeners the gossip doesn't have to stop here spread the love share this episode with your bestie leave us a review on iTunes and come mingle with us and other creatives by joining our Facebook group
1: Follow us on Instagram at Design Gossip, all one word. And while you're there, show us what you've been working on
0: with hashtag Design Gossip. Check us out on Pinterest to see all the inspiration we've been gathering. And finally, you can get show notes as well as a ton of amazing resources just for you at our website, www.designgossip.club. That's designgossip.club. Thanks,
1: listeners. I'm Maeve Parker. And I'm Charlene Williams. Okay, bye. Later, babes. Did you hang up? You hang up. No, you hang up. No, no, you hang up. No, really.